Listener Production. Well, Han, this is our remembering project. Yep, where a random day of the year is selected and we look up the run sheets from all our shows from across the years to find any we did on that day. Over 20 years, that's about 2,500 shows and roughly 26,000 talk breaks. Today, we pick one. One talk break only and try to remember what happened based on what was written down on the run sheet from that day. As always, we've got podcast Mike with us here for any technical stuff. Hello. Mike, what date was randomly chosen today? It's November 12th. Okay then, it's Haim's go. Here's Mike with the sponsorship stuff before we find out what year Haim will take us back to and see if we remember anything from that day. This is Hamish and Andy's Remembering Project. And it's it's my go today. And geez, I find with this show when you pick, you get given the day. Yeah. It's like I imagine in like in a wild west town mm. during a drought when you go to the well, you're not sure if there's going to be much water in. You yeah. Send the bucket down. <laughs> you feel it down there. It's hit something. You pull it back up. Mm. What will it have in it? And probably keeping the analogy going with the wild west I'm, at different times of year, the well will be fuller. Yeah, sure. You'll be and, more confident. Yeah. That. It's going to get something. Yes. But you're right, as we've talked about before, early on in the year, oh, yeah. often just came back and just turning, just, just rolled the arm over. <laughs> nothing too hard, <laughs> nothing too fast. But November 12th, you're confident that usually things are amping up around there. Trying to trying to tie up a lot of loose ends. In the, in the yeah, in the, the three-act structure of the year, yeah. we're usually at the crescendo or kind of like bringing it home on mm. a big mission with the aim to wrap up, Mike, usually the radio year by about December 5th yep. mm-hmm. and pretend that that was an acceptable level of work to do yes. for the year whilst the rest of Australia's workforce continue up to about December 22nd. Exactly. And then, Mike, what we would do and what we did was gradually we contracted more holidays. Yes. Uh, as if you were going to graph it, the show's success also had a similar trajectory to the amount of holidays we were allowed. Oh, well, really? I would actually say it was two rolling... Two, two similar shapes. That's true. But staggered Roll, from each other. Rolling bell curve. So it was just. sort of, yeah, just like time shifted one year to the right. So I was like, well, we were successful last year. Yeah. So now we will increase our level of holidays. <laughs> but then like, okay, you guys aren't as popular as you used to be. Right. right. Okay, so we'll decrease the holidays. Well, I guess we have to come back on and do a bit more work. We used to also argue that... No one was back before Australia Day in that their was cars. Big, that was a big argument so, we had. So we, by the end I think we'd established that December 5th everyone's pooped yeah, radio yeah. And, and go to Christmas broadcasting. And, 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 and even and then, though they're still going to work and, and, and across the breakfast and drive shifts, yeah. they don't need to be bothered. Like let's just <laughs> yeah, let's let people get to the end of the year without interruptions. And then uh, obviously no one's getting back until after Australia Day, yeah. so pretty much Feb. And Only maniacs would go back to work that early and, yeah. you know, you can't just do the show for maniacs. <laughs> so <laughs> ideally we were, we were pushing towards a sort of Feb to November yeah. working year. Yeah. Obviously plenty of holidays in between. Yeah. I swear like when I listened when I was at uni, there was one year where mm. every third week there was just no podcast. Like you just didn't do shows. Oh, uh, it's possible. I mean there <laughs> really? was a year where we took, well, there's a year where we didn't come back until June. Yeah, we took it. We did. We did. Yeah, a, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we came back mid year at one point, and then uh, in a bit <laughs> of a late launch that year. And then in the sub book, the, the the next year, I think we also came back a little, little late. Might have come back no, a little it was later. More of a March type. Yeah. 
March of the, uh, not the March of the Penguins, but certainly the March of the Lazy Radio Hosts. <laughs> but anyway, November 12th, the reason I bring up the bucket was as I pulled it up from the well, mm. it runneth over. Oh, good. With all the things that have happened over the years. Okay. Some um, we would remember mm-hmm. straight up. Some we might not. Like in 2010 on that day when we did our regular segment, Fred Bassett, mm-hmm. you made me dress like a Victoria's Secret model. Oh, really? I don't remember that one. I thought, don't I, thought that I, I mean, I, I guess I... This has been an interesting exercise because yeah. I just don't remember. No. Whole chunks, wholesale yep. months and you, you would think in, in that's the sort of the interesting part about our jobs. Yep. In most people's lives if one of the guys mm. had made, usually who can speak for everyone, but yep. if one of the guys had made the other guy dress up in lingerie. Yes. And, and I guess you were like snapping my bra and my undies and stuff. Like, <laughs> you would have. I mean... I have no idea why you would be doing that. Well, it was to do Fred Bassett. <laughs> so in, that, in, a, in also, a normal friendship, used, if yeah. someone would go, remember that night you made me dress up in lingerie while I read a cartoon? You'd be like, well, yeah. 2010 this? We remember that night. Yeah, 2010. Yeah, I, this makes sense for as far as like how thinly veiled the idea would have had to be. You've been doing this segment for so long. Yeah, probably about three years by that Coming time. up with ways to distract Hamish doing it. It used to be, you know, there used to be kind of some logic to it. Yeah, and by the end by it was the just end, like, I'm going like... kick you in the shin. I'm going to light you on fire. <laughs> hey, we did do a light you on fire yeah, one. I think we did. <laughs> yeah. So I just devolved into like garden variety assault. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, did, I was like, I don't remember that. And so many of the Fred Bassett's I see, I'm like, mm. I don't really remember that. I yep. got, there was one where I got like painted or like spray painted um, like my body outline yeah. against a canvas was like a... Don't remember that either. Yeah, I don't remember that. But, I, but, I, but it says on the run sheet, like, you know, you've been painted. Here's something, this is not what I want to play today, but in 2008, High School Musical, the movie was big. Oh, Vanessa Hudgens came on our show, wasn't I it? I reckon we had Hudgens yeah. on. And the other one that, that um, wasn't Efron. Not Efron. It was, it was the Zac other... Efron, Hudgens and someone else. And there was a, another female in there. That... Right. Sharpay is the character's name, I believe. That's a good factoid, yeah, but it's, it's not, not helping, helping anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's the thing: we are, this wasn't on this day, on the 12th of November, 2008. We didn't have any big names on, but what we did dedicate half the show to, mm. again, not something I remembered, was making a high school musical of our lives, like of really? stuff that happened to us at high school. And then I think from the run sheet, it appears like we got high school kids to come in and sing it. Right. Okay. No, don't remember doing don't that. Don't remember doing that. Okay. Half a show. <laughs> So we, it says like, you know, it's like break one, like, you know, Hamish, discuss the idea, like break two, writing yeah. um, themes, like break three, rehearsals, break four, the musical. Mm. And then different, and like the kids come in and we met the kids. Do you All remember right. any of that? No, don't remember doing that whatsoever. But that happens in yeah. in, in the daily. I feel like I would have known the, the stories that you would have used in your do high we, school did musical. I, did I write it for you or did you write and, or, and you write one for me? I mean, yeah, that would have been a good way to do it yeah. because then it would have all been about... Oh, we just would have bagged the kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stacks on. But it would have been about like you doing the poo in, at cadets and having to cut your undies off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he did poo in his pants on cadet camp and then he had to cut his undies off. He didn't have to. I, well, you made the right decision I because he also could have just walked around with a poo in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> the, the right well, why'd decision. you have to cut them off? Well, I had... Twelve up boots on, like the the boots, and oh, yeah. and, and the the weird thing was at cadets was you had to ask a corporal or some a senior person to take you to the bathroom. Yeah. 
So you by the time you get go. to the SAS, they change that rule. They let you go <laughs> if you're on operations. <laughs> they let you I go. I think you're just expected to do it in your own time, <laughs> yeah. not on the mission. So to leave camp because yeah. the toilet block was a certain way away, you had to leave camp. You had to find a corporal or sergeant, ask yeah. them permission, and they would march like you, it. and you would march to the toilet. I'd left my run too late. Is couldn't it? find a corporal or a sergeant. <laughs> no one wanted to go to the toilet anyway. So talk to the minister of defence. <laughs> he said, "Look, it's below my pay grade." Yeah. And the other part of it was on all school camps you tried to avoid going to the toilet. Like it was just yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. things. So I was holding out as long as possible and went, oh, my gosh, I've missed time this poorly. <laughs> it's gonna go. And so I found Corporal Peoples. Fire in the hole. <laughs> he marches me there on the march of Puma Pants. Yeah. And I get into... <laughs> Dishonourable discharge. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, and in the cubicle I'm there going, okay, this can be a change school situation. This could be a yeah, change that's city. That's what's on the line. That's what's it's on the line. <laughs> city situation. Because if I go out and go, hey, guys, I've pooed my pants, that's, I'm known. I mean, you know. I'm, there is a reason there yeah. is a saying that shit sticks. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, that yeah. is on your social record forever. Yeah. yeah. So, Mark, did you poo your pants or know anyone that did at high school? There was a guy in grade six yeah, camp knew. who pooed his pants. And you remember. I'm yeah. not going to say his name, no, but don't. he knows. Yeah. He yeah. knows yeah. who he yeah. is. Yeah. So... I'm sitting there and I've got to, to, to unlace the boots. Too long. And Corporal Peebles is out, the, out front. To unlace all the boots, take off all the – I was like, this is hard. And it's just sitting in my dacks, in my undies. And back then I wasn't a boxer shorts guy. I was an underwear guy. No, no, thank God. And, and yeah, thank goodness. But this is the, this is the era where mm. silky Davenports were the, uh, <laughs> yeah. were the underpants of choice. So it would have just slipped frictionless <laughs> straight into the pants. It would have been no nothing to hold it. So – I look down and go, what do I do? And I pulled out my knife and cut along both sides so all the onions and the poop just fell into the toilet. (laughs) It's actually where um, I now know as a dad, that's often where a lot of dry nights pants. So when you're transitioning (laughs) from nappies to the pull-up toddler dry nights pants, that's where they undo at the side. You tear them. You tear them at the side. Much like I think of Andy sometimes as I'm tearing a nappy (laughs) of a morning or during the night if it's a bit itchy. And I marched back commando. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Got a a rank increase. (laughs) Changed regiments. Um, So, yes. Heck of a story. What Mm. I've always loved about that is, or even just just hearing it now, is that you had to get a corporal or a sergeant. Like it it was a high-ranking problem that one of the troops (laughs) needed to go to the toilet. Like you couldn't just – this was like the military's biggest issue that they needed, like – a ranking officer to it oversee peculiar, shit. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> why, don't, why would you? I understand I, asking, going, I've got to go and do a poo, mm. but you're in year nine or whatever. Like, yep. couldn't they send a buddy with you and go, oh, we're the military, we're, we kind of came up with delegating. Yes. So I, we're going to send a lower ranking troop to oversee the poo? From memory, it was in the officer's mess, like where the bathrooms ah, were. So you could have. So you needed a higher ranking officer. To get into the club. To get to get in there. And they're all just teachers and older students anyway. <laughs> so, yes. so it was, it was. It's not like they had an M60 in there. Or something. <laughs> That's where the keys to the tanker. Don't let any kids in there. But I think, I suppose they're just teaching us sure, some sure. kind of discipline. You can't come and, into this room unless you're yeah. being overseen by. Yeah, respect the upper ranks. Blows my mind because yeah. wouldn't they have gone, you know, if you're. The, you know, Mr. Stewart by day, the geography teacher, but yep. Major Stewart by weekend <laughs> when you're on cadet camp. Yep. Wouldn't you go, hey, I, I'm sick of these 13-year-olds just coming in here every five minutes. This is shit. I've got yeah, to yeah, build no, another yeah, toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you probably Take a would. Latrine. Yeah, you, you, pro- you probably would. But I think... I bet you that's changed now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. 
It's first a great <laughs> redive back into that time of your life. Here is something that happened in 2007 on this day and you'll be blown away that I'm not replaying it. Oh. The marathon. <gasps> November 12th, 2007, I ran a marathon around Albert Park Lake Pretty unfit, quite a chubby guy. Well, if never run more than up, five kilometers in my life, really, and then it'll come back up, and we'll delve deeper into the marathon because I, I want, I'd prefer to go deep in that because it's fascinating. Long story. People might have seen snippets of this over the years, like maybe online or something. I think we've done a few, like mm. remember the times. But essentially, it was a Friday argument between you and I. Mm. I was questioning Katie Holmes's level of bragging about doing the New York marathon in five and a well, half hours. Well, she said she ran a marathon. She goes, I've run a marathon, I never thought I'd do this. Five like, and a half hours, we're like, did you run it? Yeah, and it was probably a little bit harsh at the yeah. time, but, you know, we were young and yep. that was the tone and so she uh, she was like, I've trained for six months or whatever. And we're like, hang on a sec. Knowing nothing about marathons. No. I probably know a little bit more about, you know, um, What's basic fitness and, mm. and training and nutrition and stuff now. But I look back and I was like, 42Ks, hmm. you know, almost six hours. Yep. And I knew that, you know, your general jogging speed, I think walking speed's about 5Ks an hour. Yeah. It's like, hang on a sec, I don't think, what were you training for? Like, <laughs> this just isn't impressive. So I said to Hayne, if you think you're so good, beat her. As of now, no training. And I think, was it, a, was it a Monday? Yeah. yeah. So that was a Friday we were making those snide remarks. Yeah. A couple of cocky 26-year-olds mm. and then Did we go to the, the races? Yeah, so that the the Saturday in between <laughs> That's Mike ideal was Derby Day in Melbourne. So part of the Melbourne Cup carnival. Yeah. The Saturday was Derby Day. Mm. I lived in a share house at the time and we all went to Derby Day. We invited everyone back to our house after Derby Day. Had an absolute blind lovely time, Mike. Lovely time. Yep. At about four in the morning on Sunday morning, I suddenly panic and go, oh shit. I've got to run a marathon tomorrow. Yeah. And then I was like, I've, this is bad preparation. So I walk up to the 7-Eleven near our house mm. and drank about five or six Powerades, <laughs> like as many Powerades as I could to kind of like go, okay, starting from now, I'm hydrating. <laughs> and then I woke up in the morning and my pillow and my sheets and my bed, everything was saturated. And first I was like, I've wet the bed. <laughs> I was like, no, I haven't because I need to go to the toilet and my pillow is the wettest thing. Yeah. And I rang a friend of mine who's a doctor and he went, yeah, you've had too much salt. Like you, you've, all the Powerade and all the electro, all the Gatorades you've been drinking, they're to replace lost salts. Yeah. But you haven't lost any. Yeah, so you're, like, yeah. you're like overloaded your body with electrolytes and your body's trying to sweat them all out during the night. So then I was a bit dehydrated yes. on the Sunday, just panicked. From memory, you just went for a massage. You, you thought I went for a two-hour massage yeah. at Aurora Day Spa. <laughs> he, was, he, he went for a small jog and went, what am I doing? I'm better off just being limber. Why tense up the day beforehand? They say you've only got a certain amount of K's in your legs, so you don't want to use them up the day beforehand. I hope it comes back up, Ham, because I would love to delve deeper into that. You would remember the guests on that show more than I did. Tamsin Lewis. Tamsin Lewis, I I totally forgot that she was there, so really appreciate Tamsin coming down to run a lap. Yep. Uh, Basically, I was broadcasting while live and we're trying to time it out where Hayne would either fail or or win it. 5.30. At 5.30. So we start at midday and like hopefully I'm finishing about 5.20. Did it in 5.25 by the way, Mark. Smash Katie home. Yeah, well she's, yeah, she still hasn't reached out to you. and She, she never returned serve. No. I haven't seen her run another marathon since. <laughs> I thought it would become an arms race for her and I approaching the two-hour mm. theoretical threshold of the marathon. Yeah, like, you know. She, by now I'd be running a 2.38 yeah. then she'd do a 2.31. We'd be just be getting faster and faster, but she tapped out early. Yeah. <laughs> Conceded, I suppose. Yeah. Good news for us. Um, so you started running midday. 
the show started live around the country at four. I was broadcasting and because I didn't have a co-host essentially. No. I co-host was on kilometre 33 or something yeah, at four o'clock. We'd recorded a bunch of stuff on the way around. But, yeah, Tams and Lewis was a guest. Thanks. Shannon Knoll played one bar. It says in the run sheet he played like one verse or one chorus of lift. I think you drove yep. him out on the golf buggy yep. and drove in front and you were like, was, I think it was, I can't remember if this is true or not, but I, I have a vague memory of you saying, He's in a hurry. He can only do like yes. one bar or something of <laughs> lift. But again, I look back and go, hats off to Tamsin and Shadow. Like, thank you so much. Thank you, so appreciative. Looking back at all the people that have come on the show, yep. like, thank you so much for giving up the time to come mm. and do something very dumb. Yep. Often, I gave Haim a shot of vodka instead of mm. a shot of water or a cup of water at, on one lap, which um, you. We're angry at the time. Um, funny in retrospect. Oh, very but, funny. But, uh, but, <laughs> that was but uh, we had to beep out a few. <laughs> few, few right. I think, you know, when you run a marathon, Mike, and one day you may, um, you go, you really go through ebbs and flows. You go through points where you're like, oh, I've never been this, this deep into the hurt locker. Mm-hmm. And then other spots out of nowhere, suddenly you're kind of euphoric yep. running. And I, Unfortunately, the vodka probably came at a deep in the hurt locker yeah, spot. Yeah, and, and put you even deeper into that. Yeah, it's sort of like being like, it was, it was sort of like stranded on a desert island. Mm. The rescue helicopter comes down to land. They dack you, they push you over. <laughs> they fart in your face. <laughs> they jump back on the chopper, they fly off. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, okay. Here's the. Here's, here is what we did in 2009. This is one I want to get to. Okay. We'll let you do your business for a sec, Mike. Yep. Mm-hmm. Quick fun fact before I get to what we're doing. The bus show was the next day. The, the, oh. show, the show where we did the show from the double-decker bus driving around Sydney. Yep. Or the open-top bus. Yeah, fine. That was obviously the 13th of November. Okay. But the 12th has a few, you know. We're doing it tomorrow time. In, yeah, yeah, we're doing yeah. it. <laughs> Just a bit of yeah. you, slow hair clap. We're inviting Fifi Box to come on the bus. Yeah. You know. uh, the old invites get rolled out again. <laughs> Essentially, you have a good idea that you look forward to doing and then you just <laughs> go, well, that's going to be a fun show. I'm going to get six shows of invites out of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after this, Ando, mm. I think... The first or maybe the second time that we had Ricky Gervais on the show. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Mike, get into it. Mike, well done. So 2009 you say? I reckon the second time Possibly we had the Gervais? second time. I don't know which bit this is because it wasn't detailed in the run sheet. Yeah. Um, but I know we we had a thing because for people that are big, that are fans of Ricky Gervais or the, and early days of the Gervais podcast with Steve Merchant and Carl yep. Pilkington. And you and I loved it. Loved it. Loved and it. Carl, In fact, it was their podcast that made us want to get a podcast it going. It sort of made us what when we went, oh, okay, maybe, you know, you can do podcasting. Yeah. It, it, it was like the Carl Pilkington aspect of that podcast where mm. Carl would just come up with weird ideas and they'd pressure test them. We saw a lot of similarities between that and Hogg's inventions. Yes. I don't know if this is the bit, but I remember that was often the kind of thing we did with Ricky was go, well, you've got a Carl, we've got a Hogg's. I reckon the first time we did that, Ricky absolutely loved it. I remember yep. it being hilarious. We, I think we tried to recycle a little bit. I think next we time did we try to resuscitate it <laughs> second time and we both thought it didn't go as well. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if we've got the first or the second time, but there might be some Hogg's chat in here. The 12th of November, 2009. It's Hamish and Andy driving you home, still joined on the line by the star of the new film, The Invention of Lying, and, of course, The Office extras, Ricky Gervais. Last time we had you on the show, we were telling you of our friend, uh, Hogs, who comes on with inventions. and oh, yeah. uh, and uh, And you were talking of Carl, your friend, who has a similar mind. I wanted to get yeah. your thoughts uh, on this one. happened not two weeks ago. Uh, Hogs rang the show and said that uh, could cookbooks were too hard to understand. Despite uh, the fact we pointed out that they are presented in 
a very simple list form. <laughs> yeah, he said yeah. cooking TV shows are great, but it's hard to tape them or watch them back, uh, and uh, his TV isn't in his kitchen. So he'd like to invent the cook flip book where you flip it and it animates how to prepare food. What, you actually hold it in your hand and yeah. it shows you what to do? You've, no, you think fl- for a second how enormous this book would have to be. Yeah. To animate... So, I mean, when you flick a book of a thousand pages, it takes two seconds. <laughs> yes. I like, I like... So, so basically, you'd have a book the size of the Old Testament <laughs> to show someone pouring milk into a saucepan. <laughs> That's what we were that saying. That would be it. And he was that saying... That would basically be it. He was saying, no, it's divided into four uh, slides. Like four quadrants, quadrants. On, on the page. So you look at the top one for dicing the vegetables, <laughs> then reflip it for, like, skinning the chicken, then reflip yeah, it. Yeah, but that's one recipe. Again, this book, this book, you've got, a, you've got a telephone directory to make beans on toast, and then you've got to buy another one. His argument was, after 50 goes, you've got your money back. Our argument was, 50 times in, if you don't know how to cook this soup, I'm not sure that a, cook, yeah, a cookbook exactly. can help you. But also, think of the book when you're flicking it. It's covered in, it's covered in tomato sauce, yeah. pastry, yeah. sugar, butter. It won't flick after the second show with, with hog. It just wouldn't flick. It would just fall onto the floor into one big blob where it's covered in grease. It'd just jump to the final frame and you just have to assume what happened in the middle. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's an amazing idea. Well, has Carl that thought of an anything lately? I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you stay in contact. You're in contact with Carl, like you know, on a day to day basis. And we don't want to just ruin. Called him. It's the first phone call of the day. Just called him. Yeah. Did you? Um, well, he um, he he said interesting the other day that uh, he thinks that um, lights in fridges. Um, uh, added to the obesity problem. Uh, what do you mean? He said, well, <laughs> he said, because normal people eat in daylight hours. He said, but with a light in the fridge, fat people can find food in the middle of the night. <laughs> Unfair advantage. <laughs> Ricky, we, we know you have to go. We'd like to finish up. Uh, the Invention of Lying, it is an amazing film. It exists in a world where people can't, cannot lie. Human race uh, isn't aware that lying exists. We wanted to finish up. Tell us one thing about yourself. It could be fact, it could be fiction, and we have to discern whether you're lying or not. Let's see how we go. I saved Terry Jones from Monty Python. I saved his dog from drowning the other day. Home? I think that's his... I, I think that... You're an animal lover. I think that's exactly the kind of thing you do. Although, was it winter? Is it winter where you are? No, it's, um, no, it's summer. Well, it's sort of autumn. Yeah, all right, I think you did that. I think. You did, did you do it? It was, yeah, I was walking, me and my girlfriend walking along and we saw this poor little dog yeah. being walked and it was it was bullied by two Rottweilers and uh, they scared it and it fell from a bridge into the river <laughs> and we, people were scared. I was going, well, I'll put them on a lead. I was swearing and we sort of fished it out yeah. and um, gave it back to the woman and then I got an email um, saying, um, you saved my dog and it was Terry Jones. From Monty, from Monty Python. Python and, um, yeah, and um, we went out for a... A meal and uh, yeah, it was uh, amazing. That, I did a good deed. Go. I was re- I was rewarded by, by and uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you, God, the dog you saved was exactly <laughs> like like the king's dog, the king of comedy's dog. It was Michael Parkinson's budgie. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also suddenly realised that, that, that this game was sort of pointless. Me telling you something that was real because there's no fun in that. <laughs>
<laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I'm annoyed now at myself. Although, but I didn't uh, do I'm, a, no, a much more fascinating it was a good story. story. I'm glad you didn't twist it just a little bit going, I saved John Cleese's dog. It was actually uh, Terry Johnson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That would have been largely pointless. I'd have gone, no, it was John. It was uh, Terry Jones. You went, brilliant. Well done. You, you did us. You showed us. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky, well, thank you very much for overtime. Thank you very much. Uh, good luck with the film. We think it's tremendous. It's out uh, November 26th. Getting a full one-month jump on the Boxing Day rush. Okay, (laughs) cheers, everyone. Go and see the film. Bye, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you, Australia. Bye. I loved hearing that back. It was great. Fascinating story. He was so much fun. He's just a guy that likes doing stuff. And he likes chatting. That really was fascinating, wasn't it? Uh, I'm glad that he picked a great story. (laughs) Exactly. Much better than a lie. Great remembering. Thanks, mate. Listener.